Welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Curtis Stewart. Well, hello. And one of the punkest motherfuckers in the world, basically, Ethan McCarthy from Primitive Man, oh, fabulous hello. booking agent, artist, etc., etc. Hello, hello. Ethan, so for those, a lot of people listening to this podcast know who you are, know what you've done, booking primitive man etc but for those who haven't um you know kind of come to understand your all your projects can you kind of give us your comic your comic book one like the episode zero as it were uh what can you what do you mean like like what's what's your origin story oh i don't know i've been playing music since i was really young um and metal music specifically i've been playing out like live shows since i was probably 14 uh because i was just i was a big kid and so I could get into bars with the older guys. So I kind of started out playing with dudes over 21 when I was a, a young buck. And so I've been doing this for a super long time, about 20 years. Wow. Cool. Because I had a sort of similar origin. What were those conversations like when people realized you were 14 in the bar? <laughs> oh, well, but the bar, the, the bar people, so no one... There was only a couple of bars that really knew. Sure. And most of the other ones didn't. You know, sometimes I get my hands on a little bit of liquor. You know, this sure. is like back in the day, Denver was was much different. It was more of a Wild West environment. So you could you could get away with a lot more shit back then. You know, so people these older dudes were just like excited to have someone who could play in their band you know denver didn't have the the huge music scene then that it does now so how so how did you transition into the booking angle um uh, you know i really started because no one else in my band wanted to or knew how so i just kind of like started doing it and i also have lived in a ton of warehouse venues and house you know show spaces like diy show spaces sure so i met a lot of bands by hosting them and then made contacts that way and i just kind of rolled with it from there that's really you know just hitting up these same people asking them if uh they could help me out like i helped them out most of the time they didn't but i would meet someone else who might do it and then when uh, the MySpace thing came about, that made it a whole hell of a lot easier to connect with people. And here we are now. So the first tour I ever did was with like phone numbers and, and letters and this yeah. kind of shit. And the internet definitely made it much easier, you know? So. You're probably like the youngest guy to have had that experience of booking with letters and phone numbers. It's just because I started so young. Yeah. It's just crazy to me. It's funny. (laughs) Um, But, okay, so 
so where has the booking kind so just again to provide context where has the booking taken you in kind of recent years because it seems to have really taken oh yeah okay okay yeah so i mean you know so i was doing it for my bands and then uh everyone always is like asking me to book tours for them and for years i said no 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 i'm not gonna do that you know it's stressful enough doing it for your own band shit sucks and then about two years ago i just was like all right well tired of working in education which is what I've done for years, working with kids with developmental disabilities um, in elementary schools. And so I was just like, I'm going to give this a shot. And I just know a lot of people and I've been touring for, you know, a large portion of my life. And it just seemed like a good way to kind of get into working in the music industry. And so here I am doing that pretty much exclusively. So... So, Okay, because because there's a lot of like weird things there. First of all, like having known you to like first like what was the reaction to having a very tall, dreadlocked, um, developmental disabilities teacher in Denver? Um, I mean, I've had my fair share of like. First of all, you're aside from being tall and having dreadlocks and tattoos and all this shit, you are also like there's not a lot of men yeah yeah so you are automatically looked at a certain kind of way uh if you're a man working with young kids sure um but luckily i have no criminal record so i you know obviously have to pass a grip background check for this shit or yeah. whatever you know so you know i'd work in these places and work with these kids and then i'm really good with children so uh you know people kind of chill out after a couple weeks you know you just kind of have to get in there and show them that you're not a creep absolutely no uh, that was always just a, a question i had knowing the whole thing <laughs> um so i okay so then something that i've kind of raved about with you guys in particular um both in blogs and podcasts and on the video series has been your release strategy which as far as i can tell is essentially you have like a, a proper release every couple years, but really supplementing that you have an unending uh, slew of splits or like noisy peas and things on um, a variety of kind of tastemaker labels. How much of that is intentional? And is there kind of a larger plan behind that? Um, uh, so this is like kind of a, a mixed, a mixed answer I'm going to give you on that. So, you know, pumping out as much material as possible was like definitely something that we wanted to do. I am constantly creating and, and thinking about shit, a lot of problems. So I like to write about them. So, you know, and the other guys like to write music too, so obviously. So, you know, we just kind of have been going nonstop doing that for the last couple of years. You go in and you record like eight songs and then you have enough material for four splits. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what we were doing for a while, but now I'm now I'm not sure if it was the best thing to do because we are like in the media all the fucking time. And I worry that that will burn people out on primitive man. So I don't know if that's necessarily been the best way to do things, you know, but we definitely like putting out records and, and doing that whole thing like 
from a passion perspective, but from a, a marketing and business standpoint, I don't know if it's the best thing to do. A lot of people have told me that, you know, oh, maybe you guys, you know, instead of focusing on all your time on these fucking little releases, you should be doing full links. But, you know, I like the camaraderie of splits, you know, teaming up with another band and maybe being exposed to their people that you wouldn't normally have access to you know noise records you can't you know we can't really put out a noise record it's like our next full length that's gonna stress people out um (laughs) i i uh you know so there's my mixed answer on that yeah it was intentional but now i'm not so sure you know i mean yeah it's a tricky game it 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 is because i think i mean for because i'm of the opinion and i know curtis is too uh, is of the opinion that you can't overwhelm people with content (laughs) um well, because people have short attention spans. So that's the other thing is like my perspective is like, oh, well, you know, you want to get, you want to kind of be out there all the time. People don't forget about you, but we tour a lot. Yeah. So I think that the touring thing is also a big part of it. You know, bands can release 20 things in a year, but if you're not getting it out there, who gives a shit? Exactly. I think it all depends on how you, what you do with it like you said like if you're touring around it and stuff and if you're releasing doing other things around it it seems to make sense yeah and that's and i think that that that, that also may be part of it because we tour so much we always have something on the table to sell and i think yeah. that that's another reason too is just like always have stuff to to sell people while we're out there because that's really where you make your money is merch you know well you go, you guys are basically a full-time band are you not yeah i would say so yeah okay so probably a little bit different when a band is not kind of doing the weekend warrior thing i would imagine too well well, yeah but we haven't always been a full-time band we had to we had to get there fair so you know like this isn't like primitive man started yeah seven years ago and went to being a full-time band right away i mean shit you know (laughs) we had to work to get there well okay so one i just want to uh point something or get you to clarify on that so explain to people what you guys had to do to get to that step because a lot of bands seem to think it's just like luck and you don't you can do this all you know every once in a while to actually make it full time like i actually want to hear what what you guys had to do to get there be ready to quit every job you get when you come home when you gotta leave (laughs) be ready to eat ramen noodles be ready to eat rice with barbecue sauce be ready to scrape by barely be ready to sleep on couches be ready to maybe move back into your mama's house which i didn't but this is the kind of shit that you have to do if you want to be full time. You have to do some like a ridiculous amount of terrible suffering and you have to see it through and you have to hope that it works out. That is the real fucking answer. Bands that think that you can, it's just luck and you don't have to do shit. No, man, you have to suffer an immeasurable amount. Okay, like, well, okay, give it a year. Oh, for, for years, years okay. and years and years and then that band will probably break up and then you'll have to fucking do it again with another band <laughs> this sounds so cynical but it's the real shit i've been in a ton of bands who toured and tried this shit and gave our all and fucking losing girlfriends and friends and jobs and shit and then the band breaks up and it's all for nothing and you just yeah. pick yourself up and you do it again if you're really about this life then you never quit that's some yeah. good advice well said we, we just got the full value value of the podcast right here 
I mean, that's that's just my opinion. If you wanna if you wanna be about this life, you wanna be a musician, then you need to just just believe in your dream, and be ready to fucking suffer, man, forever. Okay, so okay, like so if what, if those dudes quit on me tomorrow, I'd start another band. That's you know? awesome. Okay, okay, so now, what would be your advice for a band that that is looking to move into a full time position like you guys? Like, what, like, give like an example of what some things that they should be doing to promote themselves or network. Um, I mean, I think that you should start out booking your own tours meeting people obviously try to get a record out if no one's putting your record out you got to put your own record out get out there try to meet people tour once or twice a year whatever you can i know that it is hard when you're starting you got to retain a job you got to yeah. do that but again you're gonna you're gonna have to decide what you just got to find that balance yeah um totally. you know and really it's just from my perspective it's just like hit the road hit the road hit the road hit the road until people care until you're so busy that you need to ask someone else to book your tours and in the meantime you know labels are going to talk to you and larger bands might ask you to go with them because you've been hitting it so hard they're going to hear about you like you only hear about the people that are going out there and doing it all the time like portrayal of guilt is a band they're like fairly new and Portrayal of Guilt has been busting their ass all fucking year. And now everyone's talking about Portrayal of Guilt. Yeah. That's like a modern example that I can think of right off the bat as a, of a newer band who has been working super fucking hard. And I see it paying off for them. Totally. So how important would you say a label is for a band to get uh, successful? Because a lot of bands are like, well, I can't do anything because I don't have a label. And they're all focused on the label. Do you agree that a label is necessary or no? I think that it helps to a degree, and especially if you're low on money, you don't want to pay for your own pressing. I mean, really, totally. you got to look at it like, oh, you know, you might get with a smaller label that doesn't have the reach of one of the larger ones, but hey, you just saved yourself $2,500 totally. by not having to press it. You may have to buy your records for five or 10 bucks a piece, but that's a smaller chunk that you have to throw out. And again, hitting the road, you know, doing trades, getting your shit at distros. If the label's not doing that, you know, you have to try to send your stuff out to people. Um, Repeat that last thing because a lot of people don't seem to grasp that point. If your label is not getting your shit out, then it's your responsibility to do it yourself. 100%. You can't, that's the other thing, you can't rely on people. Like you can get with a label and you can get an agent and you can do all this shit, but really at the end of the day, it, it, it does come down to you. You need to be on top of your game, know what's going on at all times with your band, pay attention and strive for what you want. If someone is not doing what you need them to do and they can't help you, then just pick it up and do it yourself, especially in extreme music. Mm-hmm. Extreme metal musicians <laughs> are hilarious because they think that you're going to get like pop music treatment when you're playing this crazy shit it is yeah, never right. gonna be that way right it blows me away when people ask for that yeah like you're out of your mind man you know you, did you forget what you play <laughs> I, I so i always used to you'd appreciate this i always used to have this joke with when i was booking tours i would have i just joke with promoters by the way we're gonna need um uh a shrimp cocktails like and and you know nine out of ten promoters understood why that was funny mm-hmm 
And then I had one guy reply, oh, yeah, okay, bro. And we got shrimp cocktails. Well, because some people will do it. Now, the thing about that is, is that when you're a band, this, and this is something I wish that somebody would have told my ass when I started. When you're a young band and you're booking your own tours, see if they'll feed you. A lot okay. of times, you, a lot of times you'll be out there like, oh, hey, like my piddly ass band needs some help and we're scared to ask for it. Could you just give us like 70 bucks? But it's like, <laughs> if they give you... 70 bucks plus 30 dollars to eat then everybody's eating for free that day totally. yeah absolutely you know no one told me to do that man i didn't start asking for food for primitive man until like a year ago yeah you fucked because, up yeah because i was just like oh who the fuck are we man to be asking for food you know but like in <laughs> europe and shit they do that comes with it well well you know. and this was so you and i kind of orbited each other for a minute before we like got to know each other a little more and one thing that really struck me was the first time i saw you live with primitive man was a few years ago uh oh many years ago or about you know years ago now at the meat locker to like <laughs> which is like for those who don't know it's like an amazing scum punk venue in jersey yeah, I love the Meat Locker. And that's the thing. People should not be afraid to play places like the Meat Locker. There are some bands who would never set foot in a place like that. Man, you are a coward. You need to step into all those places. You need to play all 30 of them on your and, tour. <laughs> and, now, and now here's the thing, right? Okay. I saw you play Meat Locker. Saw you a couple times at Vitus or whatever were like real venues. But I always had that memory of seeing you at the Meat Locker. Then I saw you at Hellfest. Mm -hmm. You know, and which was like absurd watching you play to 8,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, two weeks later, I saw you again at the meat locker. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, these guys get it. I mean, yeah, because you are, again, you're playing uh, mostly unlistenable shit, uh, unless it's to a small percentage of people. And just because you play Hellfest to 8,000 people doesn't mean that you're ready to come out of the basement in New Jersey. <laughs> Is anyone ready to come out of the basement in New Jersey? I mean, some bands, shit, I don't know, <laughs> but not, you know, you know, and, and also for me, because I come from punk and I come from a DIY background, like I'm always down. Yeah. Like I'm always down to play houses, basements, garages, warehouses, whatever, because I, I didn't forget where I'm from. And I've seen some of the most amazing bands in these environments, man. Mournful Congregation played in my kitchen. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, yeah. I'll never forget that shit. Exhumed has played in my kitchen. That's like awesome. I have had some crazy shit in my time. And I know that a lot of those, those moments have defined me and a lot of the people I know. So, it's, you know, I, I want to give back to that. I want to be a part of that. Absolutely. Fister have an amazing story about playing in a laundry room in like Utah. They've been at it a long time, 10 years in that band. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah so and that that's i think what i wanted to get at is like you people don't understand what <laughs> people like you and i have lived <laughs> it's bad yeah man now okay now you said something really interesting i wanted to touch on um uh -huh. you said now you're a booking agent mm -hmm. and you said bands should book their own initial tours can yeah, I think it's best if you I agree, but build on this. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I 100% I agree, but I want you to build on this. I just think that there's no use in asking, because you got to pay people when you get an agent. 
So there's no use in asking someone to do it if you can't afford it. And and you can't when you're a baby band, generally. Like, you're making $150 a day, and an agent's going to take $15 of that every day of your tour. So you're really only making 135 a day, and then you're spending $100 of that on gas every day. So you're, you're coming away with 35 bucks from the door every day. doesn't seem like you should be paying somebody. And it seems to me like, you know, in most cases, the agent who's willing to work for 15 bucks a day, mm -hmm. probably not doing, you know. Well, so here's the thing, man, is it'll, I, I do it. Oh, no, I know you do. Yeah. But like, but it's, it's like, there are people who are worth no money trying to pay you a percentage, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, and there's been some tours that I've booked where I've just been like, don't worry about it. Because they've done, they've done so bad that I'm just like, ah, shit, I can't take any money from you. And then I just, like, let it slide. But in the meantime, I've invested hours upon hours, weeks upon weeks of work. Yeah. And so this has kind of, like, formed my opinion with that. And I didn't ask for a book. I mean, man, I didn't have a booking agent for years. And then I got one. And now I'm back to doing it by myself anyway. So... What made you want to switch back from having a booking agent? Oh, man, that is a dramatic story that I don't feel like comfortable. <laughs> talking okay, about fair, fair. We don't, we don't need to get into beef. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not so bad, but it's bad enough to where I just don't, you know. Don't yeah, we don't, need to, we don't need to get into that. That's fine. Um, but, okay, cause, yeah, because I think this is very important. Is I feel like, because I have, like, I'm sure you get this all the time, too. Like, I have, like, new crust bands hitting me up asking if if i know any agents for them and i'm like is yeah. that like opposed to the entire point of your genre uh because you know what though I, i'm gonna go on like an old guy thing right now and be like oh well punks these days don't know what it's like because they've had the internet their whole fucking life yeah so they don't know you know that you're supposed to just like eat shit and have a really bad time and question your entire existence first like they don't know <laughs> <laughs> so many amazing quotables from you in this. This has been great. Yeah, I'm just like, brutally honest, like because that's what it's been like for me, man. You know, I've sat, I've been sitting on the road, like sleeping next to someone's fucking dirty litter box, like two inches away from all my bandmates. You know, thirty years old, sitting there, like, what am I doing? Well, like you know, you and know, then you have. I'm 35 now, so I made it through that crisis. But I'm just saying, like, you, you yeah, part of it, man. Well, so I, I had sort of an epiphany the other day that I thought you would appreciate. I was sitting with a guy I used to tour with who I hadn't seen in years, and we were having dinner. Mm -hmm. And he used to be the driver, and I was like the co-pilot because I was like 19 <laughs> and, <laughs> and couldn't legally drive the rental, <laughs> and. I were talking and I was like, I have faced death with you. This guy, I like really don't know that well more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And that was just what being a teenager was. I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> that's the thing is that there's all sorts of perils out there. No. Yeah. And I think people don't realize that. Hell yeah. It is a dangerous ass world out there. Not only could a semi-driver fall asleep and crush your ass, which has happened to a band uh, that I was on tour with. Yeah. Like, that can happen. You can fall asleep and fuck up. 
from a long drive. You, one time I almost got shot at a gas station in the middle of the night because I was just in like the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, it is dangerous. But do you want to do it? Obviously. <laughs> no, you want to do it. You see it through. So, um, when do you think a band is ready for a booking agent? Well, and this is, you know, I go back and forth on this. I, I really do think it's just when you're just so busy and you have so many inquiries that you just can't, just can't feel it yourself. Sure. Now, which is like funny for me to say, because I still book my own band, but I also do it for a living now with other bands. So it's, it's different. A little different. Yeah, it's a little different. And I also have like help from the other agents in my firm and you know, I'm not alone on it. Absolutely. And I, um, so go ahead you know so when they're too busy but i also want to say this there are some bands that i book who don't make a lot of money and i think they they just don't know they just have never been they were just never given the tools to do it themselves you yeah. and so that's why i help smaller bands too because a lot of them i know i have a personal relationship with and I want to see them succeed. So I just I just like sit down with them and I'm like, okay, this is what we're looking at. And I'll try to do the best for you that I can. A lot of times, because I've been doing it for so long, I know a lot of these people. So I might be able to get a little extra out because, you know, like I have a good relationship with this person. Like, hey, these are my friends. Can you, you know, give them some hot and readies? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> can you hook them up with something? But I think that, but the, so, you know, if you know how, but really it's, if you know how, and there's a way for you to do it yourself and you have the time, you should, if you don't know how find someone who cares about you, that you can trust. Don't just find, you know, don't just find someone who's looking for cash. Yeah. If you are a small band, like has, wanna... there has to be some passion there for them too, for it to work out, you know, I, which I know is like, it's just there's just a lot of gray area with this shit i also want to point out that you did mention basically that sometimes you can get people to do things for you for a favor if you can't afford something and that you have to look at that too as long as you've built up a relationship with them yeah well you know a lot of the times so i'll i'll do shit and this is what's happening to me now i'll yeah. i'll get shows for bands i book and then these guys who i've worked with will hit me up and be like all right Ethan, i need you to hook my band up in your city because i hooked up like all your bands yeah, and I'm like, all right, and I do it. You got to see that kind of shit through. You have to make good on that shit. Totally. Even though they're not booking my band, I, you know, got to help out. You got to give back to the to the community, basically. Yeah, because yeah. it's a it's a small circle. There's really, I mean, it's small. Yeah. Key keyword is mutually giving giving, not just asking someone and never doing anything in return just for oh yeah reason. but so many of these motherfuckers don't return I, yeah. I gave i gave up on the idea that the people i help are going to help me a decade ago see that's a good attitude you just have to hope they will yeah but most of the time they don't man and that is yeah. real i see people complaining about that on the internet all the time why yeah. don't people ever give back it's like because that's how it is yeah. ask somebody else or skip that place that that's the whole thing but go. But obviously, people should go in there with the intention of helping. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. it's just not always like that. I, I think people yeah. need to drop that thing that they're, you know, yeah. 
that they're going to get it. They're going to get yeah. something for helping. I mean, a lot of but, times you just got to kind of help. You just, you just yeah. kind of got to help. But here's what like I'm, if you, it's not some, sound like too much of a hippie, but you know, I feel like if you give back to the community, it's going to, it's going to take care of you, you know, like if you are actively involved. And, and sometimes that help comes from unexpected places. You 100%. Know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and I feel like you've experienced this. Like I, you know, like, I got to go speak in Norway and I'm like cool in Norwegian black metal now, like from a dude who I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, man, I'm DJing at Psycho Las Vegas. Yeah. Crazy. It's like, <laughs> that's sick. Like, okay. I was just like, they were like, do you want to, because first they were like, you guys want to play the pool party? And I was like, yeah, sure, man. Why not? And he's like, well, do you want to just DJ? And I'm like, what? Sick. And I that's didn't awesome. really know them other than from playing. You know? Yeah. So you do. You get you get cool opportunities from people that you might not have expected if you just stay in it. Yeah. yeah pe- people see who gives a fuck and or not. You know, and that's really. Um. Now, okay, because we're running low on time, but I wanted okay. to ask because this is this is something I, I was actually curious about your opinion on. What do you think of this Hexus Mega Tour? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, I, I so don't. You guys, can you guys both clarify? Hexis, uh, who are a band from, I believe, Denmark. Yeah. Um, who Primitive Man did a split with, yeah. just announced um, 111 shows in 109 days. What? <laughs> Why? Because they're <laughs> fucking real. 111 shows in 109 days. Wow. Right, Ethan uh-huh yeah that's a lot of shows so so what what are your thoughts on this i just i'm so curious <laughs> oh man i got a lot of mixed feelings about this one <laughs> you brought this up because i was looking at this shit this morning <laughs> um I just, I, I just i just good luck boys <laughs> <laughs> you awesome. know it's uh i don't know we'll see i don't know how they do out there and and our relationship with hexus isn't what it used to be so okay. i don't know what so i don't know you know i don't know how how it's gonna go everyone in that band is completely different than the people on the split other than the singer okay and i know that i mean i'm gonna keep it real with you man there's a bankroll in that the reason that all the bands that we know can't do 111 fucking dates and 109 whatever is because they don't have the money. Texas has the money and it isn't from playing. I feel good. So to that's, know. that's what I honestly feel about that. Every sure. band member has to come from a different corner of the world to play in that band now. Sure. That, that alone would break most people. If I had to fly John and Joe out from fucking Germany or something, I'd be like, all right, well, there's all our money, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's cool, like, like good for them for, for following through with this shit, but they, they are not a good example because they're it's not starting from zero. Yeah. yeah. They're not starting from, from, oh, I make, you know, 13 an hour, 12 an hour, you know? Sure. So, okay. So to kind of head towards the end, what, let's say you're a band making, um, 12 an hour, right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's who you are and what you're doing. Um, what, 
Uh, what what does the ideal band setup look like? What do you mean? Exactly. So okay, so like okay, so you're 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 four guys all making twenty dollars an hour or less. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you do to um what 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 are your steps to grow your I'm just trying to think of the right how I want to phrase this properly. I'm sorry. Like so, plan of attack? Yeah, what's your plan of attack? Exactly. All right. So all right, so your brand all right, I'm just gonna paint a scenario. Your brand new band, you guys don't make shit. You're all young. You have I would say plan your tour six to month, six to eight months in advance. Yeah. Because with a younger band, you're going to need to do that. You're going to need to get the holds in these places because you are not shit. So you need to start super early. Otherwise they're going to get all filled up with bands that people know. Um, and then that six to eight months, while you're planning this tour is also six to eight months where everybody in your band should be saving fucking money. But one of those, but this is what's going to happen. One of your guys isn't going to save shit. So what's going to happen is, is that you need to be aware of, and and there's going to be, and and naturally there's going to be one person probably who organizes and orchestrates all of this shit. So whoever that person is needs to know where his bandmates are at. You need to know how much it's going to cost you to get your records bought, your t-shirts bought, and all this shit. Know that amount, and you've got that whole six to eight months to save up that money. So then by the time, or well, more like five months, because you got to have everything ready for you to go. So everyone should be saving cash. Everyone should be on the same page and know where they're at. And just do it up. You got your tour planned. You got your merch spot. Get going. Rinse and repeat until things change for you. And they'll change and someone will ask you to go on tour. Or And another thing is the agents approach bands who are fucking busy. Yeah. A lot of times if a band is just like slamming, agents will see that. And they'll be like, hey, I can help you. I can help make this better for you. Yeah. You know? Well, there's sort of a general rule I try to teach people, which is like, don't go to the industry. Let the industry go to you. Yeah, but sometimes the industry won't come to you. Oh, yeah. Like but. Primitive Man ha- has had to request and ask for every single fucking thing we've ever gotten. No sure. one has come to us ever. So don't sit there. on your ass either yeah. waiting for the world to save you. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's, that would be it. I'd just say six, eight months, plan it, save your money. Also save money to eat because you're gonna need that. That's Get something some people forget. Yeah. <laughs> Get some roommates. <laughs> save you know, when we were out there starting out, like Primitive Man went on tour it just as recently. We went on tour with Dragon the Sunlight three years ago. And as a support band. We're making shit. We're making like 150 bucks, just 150 bucks a day. And everyone's budget that they brought from home was twenty dollars a day to eat. So every one of us was surviving off twenty dollars a day that we brought from home to eat. That's it. There you go. This has been Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening. Are we done yet?